Welcome to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our senior pastor, Emily Tadro. Yes, amen. May it be a life on mission, right? It's, a, it's like three weeks now since we did this mission week, but there were so many testimonies that we're not sharing just for the sake of time. But you want to just let people know. Many of you sewed in financially, and there was way more people that were a part of missions week than what you saw up here today. Um, but this is who we are uh, as a church. This is who we are as individuals, just children of God. And, um, you know, we're talking about giving money away. That was just one two-hour part of of the week. It's probably the funnest part (laughs) to go and, like, just, it's an open door to be able to just get into people's hearts and uh, bless them. And, um, but there were so many people that were prayed for and just so many cool stories. Um, so, yeah. Um, we're going to finish Romans today. Yeah, I know. It's, it's been so good. How many of you have just uh, enjoyed Romans? How many of you have hated it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, it's, the Lord has been speaking to us for almost a year before we actually launched into doing it. And there isn't a chapter in the book of Romans that isn't relevant to life today. And this was just a very um, pastoral, just exhortation season uh, for us. These are things that we know. These are things that we've heard before. Any of you that have been... um, in the kingdom for very long, have heard so much of this, and we know it, but do we really live it out? And so I just, I'm really thankful um, for this time that we've had in this book. It's been so powerful. And, um, And today, we'll wrap that up. But I even felt like last week, I know, uh, you know, Pastor Denny didn't share out of the book of Romans, but I felt like he was kind of like Paul giving an exhortation to the the local church of how to live in the kingdom and giving us tools for breakthrough and giving us tools um, just for living abundantly. I, I was really thankful for that word yesterday or last Sunday about prayer. And um, man, prayer changes everything everything. And um, we are living in days where prayer is going to need to be a very big part of our lives. And, um, you know, that's not to, to be like doom and gloom, but things are, are hard right now, and I don't see them getting easier anytime soon. But we have an advocate. We have someone who is warring on our behalf and we can press into his heart and his plan and his wisdom and his revelation for our daily lives, our daily lives. And so 
one of those things that the Lord spoke to me, you know, Angela said, going back to the things that we did at first. I told you guys this when, uh, when my schedule changed a little bit this year in a way that I hadn't expected. Um, I said to the Lord, what do I do with this extra time? I think I have about, you know, eight to ten hours extra a week that I don't have carved out for this one thing anymore. And uh, he said, go do the things you did at first. And for me, that was prayer and worship. Um, that was definitely the things that I did at first. I, when I came into the kingdom, I became a ravenous prayer warrior and, um, and worshiping the Lord. And just out of that place of worship and intimacy with God, then intercession. Um, and so that's been something that I've been going back to this year. How many of you can relate to the, I mean, I know Angela already had you say, going back to the things you did at first, but it is that season of doing the thing that we know to do, being faithful in it, and um, it's not that complicated. And the, the tools that we have, that we've been carrying, they're like those smooth stones that David had in his hand when he had to go face the giants, or Goliath the giant, those things that we did at first, they're those smooth stones that we have that's actually a weapon in our hand. So pray, pray, pray. Okay. Um, we landed in the book of Romans chapter 15. We stopped at the end of verse 13. And um, starting in verse 14, I'm really going to try and just do this quickly this morning. Um, the end of chapter 15, he continues what he's been saying. Um, and he continues on. He's really declaring um, this last portion of, of Romans. He's really declaring his intention and his desire to come visit them face to face, the church in Rome. He's, he's like, I'm, I'm coming to you. It is my desire not just to share these things with you on pen and paper, but face to face, I long to be with you. And, um, and then he, he's so practical. I love Paul. He's so practical in so many of his writings. And he details his plans of travel. And if you're a Bible nerd and a history buff, you should go and dig into that a little bit because it's kind of interesting. Like um, He talks about his desire to go to Spain. He talks about um, though how he's going to get there. And if you go back and you look at just history, you see how he, you know, he ended up in Rome. He ended up in prison. There's, there's talk of maybe he didn't make it to Spain. Maybe he did, depending on different uh, historians. And, but just the stuff that's in the Bible is actually historically accurate. And it's so cool to me to see that. Um, but there's just some cool things that you can go back and dig into. It's not so much like teaching. It's just nerdy, cool stuff. I like it. So Paul, he's detailing his travel plans. Before he does all the little details, he gives them this final encouragement. And he says, I'm paraphrasing it for the sake of time. But he basically says, like, hey, you've been filled with the goodness of the gospel. It's in you. You're empowered to live this out. You are, you have what you need. And he reminds them 
by talking about himself in some regards, but he also reminds them that they also have the power of the gospel alive in them and that the power of the word is actually what God has done in them, the testimony. Your testimony, the work that God has done to bring transformation in you, that is such a powerful tool. When you're living your life before people and you're sharing the gospel, what God has done in you, you know, we know Paul's testimony. He was, he was an angry Pharisee. He was, he was a legal guy. He, he loved the law. He was killing Christians in the name of God until God stopped him in his tracks on the road, blinded him with truth, changed his name from Saul to Paul, and changed everything about him. What a powerful testimony. And Paul is saying, like, look what God has done in me. Look what God has done in you. And um, this is something that we can share with boldness. And then he reiterates, it is only the gospel that we can boast in. It's only the gospel that we have anything to brag about. Keep the gospel first. That's my paraphrase. That's my takeaway. And then he goes through his his journey that he plans. He lays out his plans, and he talks about um, his continued partnership with the believers throughout these regions. And um, it's his partnership with God to preach the gospel to the unbelieving, and he mentions specifically non-Jewish people. Um, And he commits to stop in Rome on his journey. Why is that important? I didn't hear you. I heard somebody say something. It was his gift and his grace. But I think he's telling the church the importance of of being connected one to another. He's talking about the importance of partnership. And there's an invitation that he's giving when he's telling them about this. If you, if you read from that, he's inviting them even into financially partnering. And he's telling about, he's saying, these are the, tr- the stops where God is doing something. He's telling a testimony. This is where God is doing something. This is where God is at work. And I want to go and strengthen these places. These are places where they don't know God. And I want to go and bring the gospel. And he's, he's not saying go and make disciples of all nations, but he's modeling that for them, right? And then he invites them into partnership with that. And he encourages these believers to jump in and to be a part. And he encourages them to be generous with the gospel that they've received and to to sow it back into others. He encourages them to financially support his missionary journey. I think that's important for believers today to hear. Why? It's important to sow into missions. It's important to sow into missionaries. It's important to sow into ones in Africa and, uh, you know, Mexico and in America. Um, Jesus' pursuit, we support 
a, a few monthly, uh, we have a few monthly, uh, we've committed to monthly support some specific missionaries that are doing various things on the earth. In India, um, in, well, they're in Kona, but they go all over the world, um, but they're based out of that. There's specific missions that monthly, as a church community, we have committed to. And then there's several that we annually do something as a church group in the Middle East, in America, in, um, we've, we've supported people in Mexico. Um, I can't think of all of them right off the top of my head today, but as a collective, with the finances that you give on, in the tithes and offerings, we have made a decision as a house we're going to sow into missions. And that's great. But I want to be like Paul this morning and say, not only just what you share as your tithes and offerings, but let me encourage you to be generous and sow into missions. This is an important thing. It's, and in doing so, as Paul says, you are a partner in what God is doing. Maybe you can't go but you can give. And he's, he's sharing that with this church uh, in Rome, but he's sharing that and doing that. He's sharing that with us. It's important to give. And many of you are very generous in, um, and do support missionaries. I would say raise your hands, but I don't want to like make anyone feel awkward. But um, some of the other local missions that we support as a house, and maybe some of you individually support them. Our God's Heart, right here in our own community, um, God's Heart is the ministry that happens, um, that the Powells oversee, and it's the at the park, uh, dinners at the park. It is the giveaway that happens every month in our parking lot. It is um, this back-to-school giveaway that we do with the block party. It's in partnership with them. It is the Christmas um, Giveaway, and it's not just about giving people things. The whole reason we give people things is to create an opportunity to share the gospel with them, and we do. We do it with acts of love. We do it with prayer. We do it with showing up in their world, and then we do it with, hey, did you know that God loves you, and he has a powerful plan for your life, and that you can know him? We preach the gospel. And so that's something that we sow into right here at home. Love, Inc. is another one we sow into right here at home. Forge Albany is another one. Helping Hands, Young Life, Serve, Inc., Worship in the Park. These are things that we as a local community, these are important. This is mission. And the, the missions trip to Albany, that was a big thing. You guys are a part of that. So like Paul this morning, I want to say, hey, these are the things that God is doing that we have an invitation to be a part of. And I want to I exhort you to continue to partner with what God is doing right now to see his gospel go forth. And you get to be a partner, however that looks. And not everybody has cash, but you have time. We all have our different gifts. Some of you have strengths to lend to the ministry. So that's enough about that. But this is what we do as a collective body and individuals. And it's beautiful and it's right and it's a noble investment. It's good soil. It's important to support missionaries. 
you know, I should, I should have um, Amy and Philip do a report for us and show a video or something because they're, they're high-level leaders and youth with a mission, and they are some of the missionaries that we support as a church. And they're also just our really good friends. But when they tell me the stuff that God is, like, I feel like when Paul is sharing what God is doing, that's what happens when they give me reports of what God is doing on the earth. And it's not just in their little corner of the earth where they are ministering in Kona. They're going all over the place. And right now, as we sit here in this church, right now, there are Bible translators from every major Bible translation organization gathered in one place right now to make sure that the, the Bible is translated in every tribe, in every tongue, that everybody by the end, I think it was 2025, it might even be sooner than that, that every single person will have that in their hands. As a collective ministry, Youth with a Mission has invested. And so, like, this is a big deal. When we sow in, we are partners in that. I think that's exciting. There's strategies to see whole nations hear the gospel. Mongolia is one of them. They have a strategy, and I think it's probably already being implemented, um, to have that whole people group hear the gospel in the course of a week. Like, mobilizing missionaries to go before that nation's closed. I think that's exciting. There's really, really cool things happening. You know, um, there's many of you that have gone and been part of what YWAM is doing. Justine's about ready to go and launch um, at the end of this month to do that. Um, God is on the move. And partner with it. Um, okay, so that's the end of chapter 15. In chapter 16, Paul is wrapping up with man. He commends and appreciates and honors a list of people. There's 37 names that he rattles off. And he is honoring these people for what they have done for the sake of the gospel. Did you know that nine out of those 37 names are women? And I'm, I am not, I'm not trying to be a feminist this morning. I think it'd probably be easy to assume that I am one, but I'm, I mean, I'm not. I'm a child of God. And um, the very first, yeah, you can, you had that up there, Keith. Go ahead and, uh, I commend to your sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church uh, in, I don't know, Centria. Um, in other translations, it says an apostle. In fact, in most translations, it says apostle. No, not about Phoebe, sorry. They say deacon about Phoebe. It's, she's a deacon. That's a leader. It's a high-level leader. I know. Heaven forbid. 
Is she, though, a deaconess? Yeah, deacon. I think that's what we do. We say S, prophetess. Is, are these things gender-specific? They're callings, right? Apostles. <laughs> anyway, um, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many, and especially me. And that's, that's the criteria for honor. It's not about her gender. It's not about, and it's not that she gets it special because she's a woman. You know, we have a lot of culture today saying, like, because you're this or you're that, you should get special treatment. Paul's not doing that. He's not trying to save face because he wrote to the church in Ephesus and told those ladies to be quiet. This isn't about face. He's actually speaking to a church as a father does. And um, then he says to a husband and wife team, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my coworkers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me, and I'm thankful to them. And so are all the Gentile churches. So give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. He goes down the list, and he starts he starts commending and honoring people for their lives spent on the gospel and loving other people and hosting the presence of God and being those that will disciple and train others up, that will take on what Jesus said to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them as you've been taught. That's why he's saying good job. And I love that he he calls out specific people by name. I think sometimes in the church we have this false humility thing of like, you know, we shouldn't, everything should be done in secret. Jesus does say when you do this, specifically even praying, like go and close your door, right? You're not doing this so that people notice you. Don't worry, these people weren't doing anything to be noticed. But the fact that Paul wants to highlight them and honor them is okay. And just even as this morning, as Jim said, hey, I want to acknowledge Hannah did something that was outside of her comfort zone for the sake of the gospel. He was being like a father, like Paul. We get to do that to one another. That's a culture that Paul is, he's setting in place as a church. May we embrace it. Another name, as we go down the list of the cool names, is Junia. And this is the female name where he, um, he highly commends her as an apostle. Also, Androconis. So it's not just this woman. But I think it's important to highlight her this morning because there's many translations that changed it to Junius because it was a problem for them that her name was Junia and that she was a woman. And we do these things. There are many, you can go look it up. There are many translations that will change it to Junius, which is a male name, 
But if you go and you look at, um, get, get on Blue Letter Bible or go get in the Strong's, you will see her name is Junia. It's a feminine name. There's nothing else about it. Why does he do these things that seem to contradict? Because these shout-outs and words of honor, they might seem to contradict some of the things that he said in other portions of Scripture. I just want to touch on that just for a second. I'm not going to make it a big deal after that. But they don't contradict because he's speaking to a specific people group. And just like in Corinthians, when he calls out and says women should be quiet and ask their husbands if they have questions, he's not having a demonic response to me talking about women in leadership. Just kidding. <laughs> That's my husband, if you don't know. Um, he's choking. Are you okay, honey? Yeah. Honestly, this guy, he's awesome. If anybody has supported and, uh, yeah, you're awesome. Sorry you were choking. Um, but Paul, he, he's, he spoke to a specific church. You can go and you can research this. The, he was responding on some level to questions that they had. But also he's speaking to a culture. And I want to say he's not saying something there that's culturally relevant because um, women weren't valued in that day. And now they are today. And so we just throw out parts of the Bible because our culture has changed. And you will hear that argument. That is not what he's doing. All the parts of the Bible are still true for today. And um, there is a specific people group that an agenda that want to use women in ministry and say, see, because women are in ministry today, that means that other people group and other, um, you know, lifestyles and things like that, because it's culturally relevant today, those things are also okay. That is not what Paul is saying. And that's not true about the Bible. I just want to say, he's speaking to a specific church. He's not talking about the culture of the day. The words of, the, of Scripture are true today. And they were true then, and they apply today like they applied then. But we get it twisted when we think he's talking, he's talking to the church, but he's also addressing us. This, these are letters to a specific church. And there are, um, there are a lot of historians, and um, there's a lot of, even in the scripture, you can go and dig this out. That particular group of people, the women were leaders in their culture, and they had a lot of goddess worship, and it was mixture that was in their midst, and they just going with their culture thought, well, women are the ones that are supposed to teach this, but they were the, they were the youngest in the Lord, and they needed to learn, and they needed to grow, and they needed to come up in their understanding, and they had a lot of questions, and they were causing a lot of confusion, and he is speaking to them specifically. And now he's speaking specifically, 
And he's saying, there are powerful women in this church. There are powerful leaders that are women in this church. There are powerful leaders that are husband and wife teams. There are powerful leaders that are single men, single women. And you can't take one isolated conversation, even this one, and say all women are apostles. That's not true. That's not true. Not all men are apostles. We're not all called to the same. Am I making sense? There is evidence in these people's lives that is worthy of honor. And in that other specific place, there were things going on that needed correction. And as a good father does, he spoke the truth in both situations. And we can throw the baby out with the bathwater, or we can take one thing and twist it to fit our own narrative, and that has happened. But how many of you have seen what, um, gosh, his name just fell out of my head, Rick Warren? In like the last couple months, he, he wrote an apology to women in the body of Christ. And it was one of the most excellently written letters from an apostle to the church. It was so good. And he didn't, he didn't make excuses. He did not try to say, oh, because it's culturally okay now. He didn't. He just said, you know what? I was wrong. And Rick Warren is a giant in the faith. In our modern-day culture. He is an apostle in our modern-day culture. And he is in a whole movement that has preached against women in ministry for generations. And, um, and Rick just said, I did not investigate the scriptures. I mean, what a powerful thing to say as a big leader like that. To say, I was wrong. I did not do my own study. And I hurt people in the process. And not only did I hurt women, I hurt the church. Wow. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. But it's important. It's important that we get it right. The word of God is true. It doesn't, it doesn't go with the flow. It doesn't change with the wind. Jesus is our, like his words are everything. And anything that's in red is like a done deal for me. It's truth, it's truth, it's truth, it's truth. And Paul was leading as a man who loved Jesus, who had been completely transformed by the power of the gospel, and he is fathering and pastoring. And these letters that, not just Romans, not just Corinthians, not just Ephesians, not just Galatians, not all of them together, we glean from them truth. But Jesus is the ultimate. His words are the ultimate. Okay. You know, and Paul says hard things. Like, it was hard to talk out of Romans 13 about submission. Oh, that was hard for me. But it wasn't hard for Paul. And 
just like this thing that I was talking about with women, you can get it twisted. And people have gotten submission twisted. And it's gotten ugly. But Paul's intention was to set things right. Paul's intention was to father and to lead us in a healthy way. Not for our sake only, but for the sake of the gospel. So, if you get nothing out of what I just said except for this, interrogate the scripture. Don't just take my teaching at face value. Interrogate the scripture. It will stand on its own. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate to you. The spirit of truth himself will illuminate to you. But there are so many powerful things if you will just study it out. Learn to know your concordance. Learn to know, not commentaries. I mean, commentaries are cool. I like them. Sometimes I read them. But for the most part, it is, it is multiple translations. It is digging into what does this word mean? I wish I had a paid sponsorship for Blue Letter Bible. It is the coolest tool. I, this is for free. This is not a paid sponsorship. Download Blue Letter Bible on your phones and use it to learn the scripture. It is incredible. There's other cool ones out there that cost lots of money. This is a basic one, and it's simple, and it's awesome. Sometimes you click on the word, and it opens up to all these inner liner notes, and it takes you to the strongs, and um, you just keep reading in it, and it just keeps expounding it and expounding it, and you're like, I did not know that word meant that. It's so cool. The scripture just becomes so real to you. If you get nothing else from what I'm saying today, go and dig into the scripture. <laughs> okay, Paul's honoring, he's honoring, he's honoring. We should, we should honor one another. We don't need to be afraid of that. And guess what? If you see honor, give honor where honor is due. Don't worry about their head getting big. That's not your problem. That's their problem between the Lord. But sometimes you're slugging it out there alone. And you think nothing that you do matters. And someone comes and says, man, keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. I see what God is doing in and through you. And it changes everything. We need that. We are, we're in, to be encouraging to one another. After he does this big thing of honoring, again, I'm just rattling through because of the sake of time. He begins to, ref I mean, in the very beginning where he says, Phoebe, my sister, Countless times in this portion of scripture, chapter 16, he refers to these men and women as his family. My sister so-and-so, my brother so-and-so. What does that mean to you? We are a family. And the church is meant to be a family. And you can have a whole lot of cultural differences. You can have different understanding. You can eat differently. You can think differently. But what unites us 
is the blood of Jesus. We come from different natural blood, but we have the same blood, the same father, the same DNA in the kingdom. And the way we fight for our kids or our natural family, we should fight for our kingdom family. The way we support, like, oh man, if my kids need money, I find a way. If they're lacking in something, I find a way. I don't have any brothers and sisters in real life. But I have a huge family. My natural family is possibly the smallest in the world. <laughs> Literally. Justin has one sister. She had one kid. My mom and dad had one me. I met. I broke the mold. And they couldn't, they just couldn't outdo that one. So they stuck with one. I had two kids. My kids have one cousin. Like, that's the tiniest. If we put our two families together, there's 10 people in the room. That's not big. But in this world, in this kingdom realm, I have countless family. I love that. I love the table because I get, sit at a big table with my big family and I watch you and I love you and you're weird and you are so unique but you're mine and I would fight to the death for you and I have for some of you and I'll do it again and you would do the same for me this is what the kingdom of God gives to us. And that's why we're doing Keep Your Love On, so that we can learn to get along and communicate and truly love one another. Because we need tools. Because otherwise, divisions pop up and offense and different things like that because we're human. But in a kingdom family, we fight for connection. We fight for um, not agreement, but we fight for connection. And that we're moving in the same direction together. So Paul, when he's saying, these are my family, he's pastoring us. He's pastoring the Roman church. We are not just strangers on the earth. That's why when you go to, um, have you ever gone to like, somewhere far away from home, and you found out that someone was a believer. You suddenly are in love with them. You're like, oh, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. We are connected instantly. I don't need to know all of your upbringing. I don't need to know all of what you think. I know the thing that matters the most. You are a follower of Jesus. I get you. I'm for you. That's powerful when we really grab hold of that, right? Then he says, greet each other with a holy kiss and great affection. Ooh. Holly loves that. She, how many of you have been kissed by Holly in the room? 
Um, she's just taking the scriptural literally. Yeah. No, but with great affection. We like our bubbles. How many of you want a bubble around you? I see you. Paul is challenging your bubble. I'm not saying be unsafe. He's not saying let predators in. In fact, we'll get to that. But he's saying those of you who are connected, greet each other in love. Be open. If that scares you, let's take that to Jesus. In verse 17, he shifts, and he makes a hard shift. We're going to look at that. He starts making a warning. Let's read that together. And he says, now I'm going to make one more appeal. My family, my brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause division and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. What have you been taught? Jesus Christ and him crucified. I know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing gets in the way of that. Jesus is the main topic. The gospel is the main topic. Don't allow division around things that are not about that. In fact, he says, stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interest. With smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. So he's, he's saying to this church, we know you're obedient to the Lord, that it's your heart to lean into him first and foremost. Don't let these outside voices come in. Don't let them, even well-intended people, he says here they have ill intention, but even good-intended people, don't let them come in and get it twisted Keep the first things first. Hey, we've had great people come in here. I know that they love Jesus. And we've had to not have them come back because they've wanted to make other things the focal point. Get people into modalities and different things like that that take our eyes off of Jesus. We're not going to do it. We are not going to do it. We are going to keep him the center that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, if Jesus leads you that way, follow him. But we're not going to make that the focal point of our house, of our teaching, of our doctrine, of anything. It's Jesus. He's the deal. Every day. End of story. And guess what? We're not going to make politics the center of the church. We're not going to make COVID the center of our church. We're not going to make who's president, what weird crap is going on on CNN, 
We are not going to make what Kanye is up to the center of our conversation. It's Jesus. And I can tell you, as a keeper, a doorkeeper, a gatekeeper in this house, we will shut it down super fast. Because Jesus, he's got to be front and center. He's got to be front and center. And Paul says, this makes me very happy. I want you to be wise and doing right and stay innocent of any wrong. He says, it makes me very happy that you are obedient to the Lord and that you will stay wise. And he, he's just making a declaration. You will be wise in this. You will stay faithful. Be innocent of wrong and stay wise in doing what's right. And the God of peace, don't you worry your pretty little head because the God of peace is about to crush Satan beneath his feet. He's going to do it. Dad said that last week. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. We get to keep our eyes on Jesus and go where he leads us and do what he tells us. It's awesome. It's easy. It's simple. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Then he commends Timothy, sends greetings to Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, I don't know, his fellow Jews. He lists off some more names and um, commends people. And then he goes in verse 25. Now all glory to God, who is able to make you strong. Just as my good news says, this message is about Jesus Christ and has revealed his plan for you, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere. That's us. So that they might too believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And this reminds me so much. I don't know, even as I'm reading that, does this remind any of you of Jude? Where, you know, he's, he's so... He's saying, hey, remember who we are. Keep the gospel at the front. In Jude, it says, in verse, I think it's 17. He says, beloved, remember the words that were spoken before by the apostles how they told you there would be mockers in the last days who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause division, and they don't have the spirit. This is how you can recognize them. They cause division, and they don't have the spirit. How do you know you have the spirit? And he says... But you, beloved, this is also how you know. This is how your spirit recognizes. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you know who these people are that are trying to come in? You don't have to get your, uh, you know, demon goggles on. We don't need to go on a witch hunt. How you know 
is you're constantly building yourself up in your holy faith by praying in the Spirit. we got to get our prayer on. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ under eternal life. And on some, have compassion, making a distinction. What do you think that means? Some are not coming in with ill intention. It might be like what Nicole was sharing. Someone who just doesn't know yet. How do you, how do you help them? In your discernment, it says, make a distinction. Uh, save others from the fire, pulling them out of the fire. That's what Nicole did. That's why she shared that testimony this morning. As you are building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, falling more and more in love with Jesus, you hear him when you see divisions coming in, when you see people who are not having bad intention but are just on the verge of falling into destruction, you can, with the love of God, go and reach down and pull them out, speaking the truth in love. Hating the garment defiled by the flesh. And just like we read in Romans 16, to the only wise God, Jude says, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. He does it. He's able. We know nothing but him. We only boast in him. He leads us. He guides us. He protects us. We can trust him. And as we do that, there's, I think, books being written about the Church of Albany. They might not end up in the canonized Bible. But I bet you there's honors and commendations that we'll see when we get to heaven and we start pulling out the books in the library of all the churches that God is proud of. I want, it's not just Jesus' pursuit. That would be gross if I just was like, it's all about Jesus' pursuit. It's not. It's about his church, his kingdom, I want to see the Church of Albany get recommendations and honors and commendations from the greatest apostle that ever lived, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm so proud of you. Come on. Look what they did. Come on. Look what they did. That's what I feel when I read this. To the only wise God. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever and ever. Amen. So I don't want us to forget about Romans. This, let it be written on our hearts. In fact, Jesus, I just pray right now that you would write your word upon our heart. Lord, that your truths would be upon us. Lord, thank you for this, these letters from a father who gave his life who intended to go to Rome to encourage the church in Rome, who died there giving his life for the gospel, 
Thank you for the words of this man. But Lord, we're so thankful for your words most of all. They are life to us. And God, we don't want to be like the beginning of Romans, just keeping the letter of the law only and not attached to your heartbeat, not attached to relationship with you. God, we want to be intimately connected to you, to your laws, to your ways. They would flow in and through us, from us. And Lord, we want to be those who have the evidence that we have been with Jesus all over our lives. That God, we believe that you are good. That like Romans 8 It says that you are working all things together for our good, Lord, that we would live from that reality, that we would be like Romans 12, Lord, submitted completely, a living sacrifice, fully surrendered. Like Romans 13, Lord, that we would be submitted. Like Romans 14, God, that we would not tolerate divisions and arguments. And that, Lord, like Romans 16, we would be a family that honors one another that looks at one another like family. Put these words inside of us, Lord, and may we live them out for your glory, for your sake, God, for your gospel to be made known. Lord, thank you. Thank you for for setting us on a firm foundation. And Lord, I pray for each person in here, more than we already do, God, I pray that we would be lovers of your word that we would be students of your word, that we would interrogate the scriptures, that we would investigate every word. Because your words are life to us. And Lord, we want them to flow out of us. And that we would not be thrown to and fro, but we would recognize when something that is not right would come in Lord, to try to distract or deter. We hook on to you, Jesus. We build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Help us to remember to pray in the Spirit. Whatever we're going through right now, Lord, whatever we're facing, you have more than enough for us. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.